Hey everyone, it's Rachel. We wanted to give a quick heads up that we had some technical difficulties this episode. You can still hear and understand everything, but we are aware of it. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to True Horrors with Meg and Rachel. Every week we discuss a horror film and the true stories that inspired, influenced, or bear striking resemblance to them. Be warned for spoilers and adult themes. I'm Meg. And I'm Rachel. This is True Horrors. Hey. Oh, hey. I didn't see you there. I know, right? It just came out of nowhere. Just coming at you. Right out of the TV. <laughs> oh, my God. So good. So on brand. Right? We actually spent an, um, just an incredible amount of time trying to get our mics and everything set up. It, oh was, it was a trial, but we're here. We're here for all of you. And we're stronger for it. We're here. <laughs> so, Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Oh now, have you seen this movie before? Yes. All the way through? Yes. When did you first see it? I don't remember exactly. I think I was in, like, high school. Um, but one of the things that I realized as I was watching it is it's very good I didn't see it as a child. Because I didn't have cable growing up, so I had a lot of channels that were mostly snow or static. <laughs> And I feel like this would have really upset me. <laughs> I know I've seen it before, but I know it's only once. And I feel like I rented it. Like, I feel mm. like I, like, Blockbuster rented it, which is what I've done a lot with a lot of horror movies when I was younger. But I also have not watched it so recently that there that I remembered super well. Right. Like, I knew what happened, broad strokes, but there were a lot of really fun details. Like, I really liked the opening. Mm-hmm. Because I like how it opened up with something pretty creepy and kind of sinister. And then it was just like, do, 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 we are in a suburban neighborhood. And I was mm-hmm. like, I like that because usually uh, movies start off with the whole like, oh, you're seeing the suburban neighborhood and it's so nice. And like the credits are rolling. But like this I liked because you were already kind of on edge. Yeah. I was thinking, I can't think of a single opening that is more terrifying than this one um i guess we'll see as we go on because i don't think that either i think a lot of movies try and lull you in Mm -hmm. which is like we know what we're getting into we've seen the previews and so it's like they i think a lot of times with horror movies they try too hard to establish what a normal and happy everyday group of people this is right as opposed to we don't really need that. Like sometimes I just think there's not enough trust in the audience. Like we don't need that. I love that dog, by the way. I love that that dog was just going around stealing everyone's food. Yes. I love all dogs. The dogs are always the best characters of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely, I liked that a lot. Um, and I think they did a good enough job of, of establishing the family in the next shots, but you already knew. So I feel like you were more invested. It's not like you're waiting for the everyday stuff to get over and is like, where's the haunting? Right. Like that's something with a lot of horror movies that I think don't take off as well. That are trying is when you go to watch Mm -hmm. them, you realize that they spend so much time doing what they think is building suspense. Right. That you're sitting there like, okay, when is the first haunting? When is the first haunting? And you don't want that. Like, mm-hmm. um, I felt very invested and I am I got really excited when I saw like how early things were happening in this movie. Yeah. Um, also, the thing that's really interesting to me is you said that like you had seen it, but not so recently that you remembered it. And I feel like I remembered so many things that happened in this movie, even though I'd only seen it once, once which is a 
real role reversal. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but I feel like the only reason I remember it so well is that it's been parodied so many times. Like, I remember so many elements of it yes. because I've seen them a thousand times, just not in this movie. And that's the thing, really, of, of why this movie is so classic and why it's it's up there is because it's something that's really stayed in the public consciousness mm-hmm. in such a powerful way. Um I did, though. Oh, my God, that girl is so cute. Like, so just cute. putting the things in for the bird. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. She's so cute. Like, it was just so sweet. And I was like, you're really you're really roping me in there, but in a way that feels natural. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not trying to oversell you on this girl's cuteness. She just, like, is in the way that, like, young kids are right. when they have that kind of, like, innocence. Did you notice how much Darth Vader stuff that kid had? So much. It was, it was everywhere. Wars. It was Darth Vader. I was like, okay, he, he's chosen his side. He like sure it was, has. He had a poster of Darth Vader. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but his jacket was Chewbacca, like the one that yes. he throws over the clown doll. So like. He seems to have, he seems to be a little conflicted about what side he's on. Speaking of which, I wrote down, there's no good reason for them to have that clown parentheses. Do they hate their children? Yes, for sure. That's the only reason anyone would have that thing. And the fact that they put it on a chair (laughs) facing the children while they sleep. (laughs) I would have burned the the entire house down much earlier. Like... Next time I come to your house, I'm just going to bring a clown doll, sit next to your bed to comfort you, watch you while you sleep. You're not going to wake up in the morning is what's going to happen. <laughs> Side note for everyone, when Rachel and I did live together, um, I have the statue of a gnome and <laughs> Rachel takes a while to wake up, whereas I'm a morning person. Like when I'm up, I'm up. And so she'd always like get up, go to the bathroom, get her contacts. And, and I would put the gnome directly outside the bathroom <laughs> multiple times like this happened. But every time she'd be like, ah, I forgot that's how she'd that. say it. I tell that story whenever anyone comes to my apartment and comments on that gnome. I'm like, <laughs> funny story about that gnome. I did it so many times. <laughs> um, oh, but no, that clown was really creepy. And how low is the bar for heterosexual couples in horror movies? And I was just like watching this. I was like, oh, wow, they actually like each other. I know, right? Like, they're actually not like... Like so many of them that starts off, you're like, oh, and there's conflict between the husband mm-hmm. and wife because like, where's were like, they were smoking weed. They were joking around. They were having fun. Like I was a little bit concerned because I was like, are we not worried about the whole her talking to the TV thing? But then I realized she yeah. thought it was sleepwalking. Because mm-hmm. um, I was like, what? What was that? Was that like a preview? Is that not actually happened yet? Like <laughs> I, I couldn't remember, but then they then they did talk about it, which I felt mm-hmm. like was in a really natural way. Mm-hmm. And I liked the use of music. I felt like there wasn't too much where it's like, oh, the sometimes I feel like I'm watching horror movies. I'm like, oh, the scary thing's about to happen mm-hmm. because they amp the music up to such a point right. that I'm like, it's not adding to the experience. It's like a giant like waving advertisement that something's about to happen. Yeah. And that can kind of take me out of it. Which I think we can blame on Halloween because it had such an iconic soundtrack. But also that music plays all the time, whether something scary is about to happen or not. So you legitimately don't know when it's coming. It's just like, oh, here's a moment. Here's the music. And then nothing happens. 
It's like, like his theme music. Yeah. It's like his theme. It's like more than anything else. He's just walking around with a boombox, um, yes. playing it. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think that's true. And I think a lot of times when studios are making horror movies and they're looking at the classic, mm-hmm. I don't think they really see what made them iconic. And right. I think one thing that made this movie iconic um, was the emotion. Mm-hmm. I really cared about these characters, which you know sometimes will be five minutes into a horror movie, and I'm like, I don't care who dies in this movie. Yep. Like, you've not made me like or care about these characters. Like, so they're basically like cannon fodder. Like, yes. I don't care. Whereas, like, I genuinely, their emotion, like, when they were all screaming and running and looking for Carol Ann, like, mm-hmm. there's just, I think, too much trying to make conflict, where mm-hmm. I'm like, the conflict is the ghost. The right. ghost is the conflict. They don't need to be having a ton of conflict <laughs> for me to be invested. Mm-hmm. But, like... I felt emotionally attached because they were emotional about the situation, mm-hmm. which I think makes it feel more like this could be something that could happen to you. Right. Like, like a lot of horror films are like a hodgepodge group of people. And that's like, they don't have any connection to each other. That's a great point. Um, but this is like, it's a family and they feel like a real family and they love each other. And yeah, it, it's just, you know, yeah. I can't believe the crazy dead bird. I can't believe the, that foreshadowing. I know, like, right? It made me angry. <laughs> I was just like, wow. Wow. Okay, you win. It didn't you make win. me angry, but I I did make a sarcastic comment to my TV about it. I was like, foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I don't remember. See, that's the kind of stuff I don't remember. Like, I could have told right. you the plot points. Like, the tree and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I didn't remember that piece. And I also don't remember how funny this movie is and like, mm-hmm. not in a joke way, but in the way they use the poltergeist, like the fact that she's like, the mom's kind of a hippie and she's like, we're connected. Da, 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 da. And then it's like the poltergeist is like, snatch your kid. No, nope. <laughs> like, just the amount of times when he's talking to his boss and the piano moves or when um the woman who's the paranormal expert is like, well, we don't know if this is the haunting and the coffee cup and the coffee thing moves. And I was yes. like, they, they didn't like that you said that. Like, I all, <laughs> like those moments are best one, though. And I'm jumping around a little bit. The best one is when they first get to the house and they're taking it up to the kid's room. And the one guy who ended up sticking around is like, there was a car and it moved and it was like seven hours and it moved. And Gracie Nelson is just staring at him in the OG <laughs> looks in the camera like he's at the office moment. I'm just like, oh, and then just opens the door. I'm like, that moment is so funny without trying to be. Because it's just like clear that these three individuals study this, but they've never seen anything like this. And he's just like, oh. Took, he's like, oh, yeah, you couldn't see it with the natural eye. And Craig T. Nelson's just staring at him. <laughs> yeah, it was super I loved, great. I loved that. So I did not remember this movie being that funny, whereas it was like it had some really great funny moments. How much of a red flag is it if there is a extreme weather event at your house and none of your neighbors experienced it? I would be gone so quick. Oh he's my God, just like yes. on the phone like it was like a six point whatever. And I'm like, leave. Mm-hmm. Leave. Um, that glass, the bottom just shattered. Again, these little things happened. And I'm like, there's no explanation. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, I'm glad she took the chair seriously because it was like, th- there is no reason for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Get out. I almost feel like the ghosts were like, okay, this woman is clearly not taking us seriously. 
what is going to convince her chair sculpture? Well, and it's also funny because she like pauses and it's like, did you see the people? Carol Ann's like, nope. And Carol Ann, she could not have cared any less. Like when no. she was doing the whole chair thing, she's like, mom didn't make dinner. I'm like priorities. <laughs> she's like, I love pepperoni pizza. I was like, I, I would die for this kid. I love this kid. Like, yep. but when the ghost moves the chair, poltergeist moves the chair and Craig T. Nelson is, oh, and Carol Ann is just like not caring. She's like, mm-hmm. I want pepperoni. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah priorities she's not bothered well i mean they talked to her so she probably isn't too bothered no i wrote down it wants your kids oh for sure well i kind of wonder did it actually want the son when it took him in the tree did it want both kids or was the son a distraction like did it want both or was that like a red herring like i was that was left one and why doesn't it care about the older daughter at all it really doesn't see i remembered in my mind i thought it was her who ends up in the pool with the dead bodies that are actually dead bodies Mm -hmm. um i thought it was her who ended up the pool i totally forgot that she didn't show up until they are literally get in the car yeah um but she had good emotional reaction. She wasn't used as like bratty teenager like she she she's clearly extremely distraught Yes. By what was happening to her sister. And so, like, I get that by her being like, I have to stay at a friend's house. Yeah. Personal note, uh, it's the scene where, you know, the tree is trying to eat him and Caroline's screaming, but one can hear her because of the storm. Mm-hmm. And I have this thing that a friend gave me, like one of those wooden placards you hang on the wall that says hope, and it fell down. <gasps> and I jumped. And I was just like, it's fine. Whatever. So... I was going to ask if you got holy water, and then I realized that's a ridiculous question to ask you. Do you have an equivalent of holy water? I have, like, um, Stars of David, and, like, it's Hanukkah. I have to hope that the, if I like the menorah. Yeah, we obviously, uh, to our listeners, we, we've taped these in advance, so it's the first night of Hanukkah tonight. So I'm going to my menorah. Hopefully that'll keep the speed. But, like, logically, I know it's because I chose to hang it on, like, a natural um, screw that was in the wall. Mm-hmm. And so it, when I hung it, I remember being like, this is a little precarious. So it's probably that like my neighbor slammed their door right. and there was a vibration through the apartment, but it was so crazy. Cause it was right when everyone was freaking out in the movie. I was just like, okay. okay I, would have ha- I definitely would have had to take a minute. Like I, just to cope. Just be like, come on, come on, poltergeist. Don't be like that. I have found that sometimes. So like I have a door that pops open a lot because it's a really old house and it's been painted a bunch. And when it's popping open a lot, sometimes I will be very polite to the ghost and ask it very nicely to stop doing that. And a lot of times that seems to work for some reason. They're just looking for politeness. Exactly. And I also let them know how much I appreciate it when they're not doing that. Because like it's painted, it's in my bedroom and I'm like, I want to go to bed. Please stop opening the door. Um, Yeah. This, this particular poltergeist in the movie, I mean, that's the thing, is there was, like, the ghosts of the people who were pissed off about being disturbed, and there was, like, the beast, mm-hmm. which doesn't get a ton of explanation. Sometimes when I watch movies like this that took place, like, in the 80s, mm-hmm. I'm like, how freaked out were people by some of these special effects? Right. Like, the first time when the um, hand reaches out of the TV, mm-hmm. like... I know that when they uh, did some viewings of paranormal activity, they taped the audience. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that for something like this with the exorcism. Yes. The exorcist. 
I knew what you meant. I know, but I didn't want someone to be like, the movie's called The Exorcist. I know that it's called The Exorcist. That's a good point. Like, might as well just self-correct on the fly. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing what else I wrote in my notes that wasn't just... I. Um, at a certain point, I was just kind of <laughs> like, what? what did you write that you're laughing at? <laughs> I just saw one note that was like, uh, this is the kind of face ripping I don't like. <laughs> So, um, just for a little background, uh, you know that scene in Captain America where the Red Skull rips his face off for the first time, revealing that he is the Red Skull? Um, That's one of my favorite moments in all of cinema. Um, And I really like face ripping scenes, but not when they look like this. No, It's got to be the whole face and there needs to be a face underneath it. Yes, that's what that's what Rachel's aesthetic is. Is that moment <laughs> also that that's a, a similar moment happens like that in Winter Soldier? Yes, yes. Which is also like we're we're, we're hoping we're hoping for another you know that hat trick in the for Second real. Infinity War. Someone just rips off their face. Also, fun fact: I'm I've started rewatching Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and within the first couple episodes, the same thing happens. Face ripping just seems to be an integral part of things that I love, and I. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> I like that the dog pieces out. Boy yes. gets sent to his grandmother, and the dog looks back, and he's like, "Nah, fuck this shit." <laughs> yes. Like, I was like, "Wow, your dog is like not having it." I like to think that in that moment, the dog is like considering his duty to the family, and he's like, "Still, no, <laughs> nope. I've served my time. I'm an older dog." Um. I felt so sad when it started attacking them all again and Carol Ann was just like, no more. Mm-hmm. I was like, she's a baby. Also, that mother is an icon. Mm-hmm. She was so just like holding it all together, holding the family up and she's going in after her kid mm-hmm. and like trying to find these things. And it's like, it's crazy. Um, no points to the neighbors who see some oh awful is happening and just leave. <laughs> yes. No points for you. Nope. Also, at the end, when Craig T. Nesson is like, you moved the, the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. Why would you do that? I'm like, money. Money, yep. Like, like that's because you're upset, right? You get why he did it. Mm-hmm. It's greed. Much yep. like in Jaws, exactly. how the secret, yes, <laughs> the secret um, villain is greed. Um, but also, I felt kind of happy for them because I'm like, yeah, their house disappeared, but most of their stuff was in that moving van. Yep. So at least they didn't lose all their stuff. Mm-hmm. And also, it's a, it's like objectively funny when he puts the TV out at the end. Yes. Yes, it is. It's a really funny moment. <laughs> It's also like, I feel like he showed remarkable restraint because I might have just tossed it over the balcony. Like, no, this isn't far enough away from me. Um, I was also kind of like, hey, hey, I get it. Your graves were disturbed and that's mean, but leave that poor family alone. Yeah, they didn't like, do don't it. Don't follow them. He had no idea. Mm-hmm. Like they seemed pretty obsessed. I'm also like, is that the only place the grave was that? If so, like what a move to put your employee's house there. <laughs> like, I have to wonder if it's because they were the first ones to move in. Oh, you're right. You probably, yes, that's exactly it. So like, you can't go after the people who actually did it. Go after the first people who lived on top of you. God. Just still misdirected. Go for that 
weird guy who wants yeah like oh god i just want to know do you think he's still going to move that second cemetery i don't think so because he witnessed it like i think he hadn't witnessed it and it had just been hearsay Mm -hmm. but the house literally dissolved like i was sitting there being like what is the pr gonna be on what happened it's not like the house started on fire and you could say it's an electrical thing it's Mm -hmm. not like the house even sunk into the ground and you could say it was it literally like collapsed in on itself Mm -hmm. also one thing i didn't remember i didn't remember that it actually wasn't an ancient indian burial ground i did not remember so many of the parodies say that and i'm like oh i thought it was an ancient indian burial ground but then I'm like, oh, no, that's just a joke they make. It's just yes. a normal cemetery, which you still don't want to screw with. Right. But that's the thing with parodies. Like, I've watched things as an adult that I've only ever known through parody. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's really surprising what gets picked up and passed on that has, yes. like, nothing to do with the story. But I did like the shot. Just talk a little bit about the directing. I did like the shot um, when he's telling him all oh, this could be yours. And all you see is like the valley and the grass. And then it's like you move the camera an inch. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's literally, it's not a couple. It's not like it was an old family plot and there's like mm-hmm. five people in there. It's a gated cemetery. Yep. Like, um, also, are there laws against not disclosing that to people nowadays? Like, it's the 80s, so there weren't laws, but in any regard but <laughs> i have to wonder if nowadays like you have to tell someone if someone was murdered right. in an apartment mm-hmm. so you have to wonder if it's like if it was just built you have to say like it's built on a cemetery well the thing is i don't think it's legal to just move headstones and leave the bodies either so like i doubt even that if, was legal either e- yeah even if there were laws would he have cared oh i'm not even talking about him i'm talking about like today oh in when real people life. Who are listening in real life are now thinking to themselves wow my house was built in the past five years i wonder if it was built on top of a graveyard like was that something that their real estate agent would have had to disclose to them yeah i do know that there are laws I want to say in Savannah, but I might be getting this wrong. I know there are laws somewhere where if somebody asks you if the house is haunted, like you have to say if That's there's amazing. ever been paranormal activity. And it's somewhere super haunted, which is why I think it's somewhere in the South. New Orleans, maybe? Maybe. It's either like Savannah or New Orleans where it's like you have to have to say either way. Mm-hmm. Um, any any final thoughts before we transition? Um. No, not really. My only final thing is that no one was murdered in this movie, which yeah. again goes to the idea that like in a lot of the classic horror movies, people don't die. Whereas I think mm-hmm. we've gotten on a kick in the past. I think we're getting away from it. It's been a pretty like a pretty stellar like past two years for horror. Mm-hmm. But there was like this idea at one point where it's like there just need to be a very high body count for right. people to be scared. And that's not necessarily what scares people. Some people right. are, but it's not necessarily like this movie is. I can see why it would have been very scary and it does stay with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but considering no one died in it, I think as far as our usual question of would you have survived this? Oh week, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Cause everyone, did. everyone survives. Even, even the guy who was in charge and he even survived. Even mm-hmm. the guy who he literally did this. Yeah. He gets to survive. Well, he was just off the property line. So, you know, <laughs> They were standing there like, God damn it. If you just took another <laughs> take another step. Come on, I want you to. Come investigate. <laughs> investigate the spooky noise. Swallow you up. <laughs> oh man. All 
right. You ready for a story? I would love to hear a story. I'm so excited. And I'll tell you why. Because although Jaws was really fun, it was mm-hmm. like, I'm talking about this like marine, marine life kind of like, oh, this is what happened. Da, 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 da. This is the story of a haunting. And mm-hmm. that's fun because it's also spooky. And because it's like Rachel and I have had this discussion before, but on like whether you believe in ghosts, whether or not you hear about a real haunting and think it's real, like that for most people, you're never going to believe it's real unless you actually witness it. Mm-hmm. So I'm always like, there could have been a real haunting, but no one's going to believe it. Because even if you got video of it, you can, um, their special effects are so incredible now. Right. And you can do those on your computer that it's like, I think we're at a point where it's like, unless you're a believer, right? like you're never going to believe it unless you're there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, as far, like, I, I just think that's a really interesting thing. But it's like, they could be real and someone could have actual proof of it, but who's going to believe them? Right. You know, you'd have to be like some kind of ghostbusters, giant marshmallow man down the street shit. Right. Um, but on that note, this is a very famous case because it is the first haunting to be televised. Ooh. So what made Fine. me think of it? Because people were just freaking the fuck out. And, like, of course, I'm sure skeptics are going to think, like, like that's the thing is what I'm saying. It is a lot of fun. And I wrote a lot of notes yeah. about it. Because. The kind of thing where it's just, like, you just kind of have to buy into the story for a time. And, like, I don't know how I feel about it either way. But, like, it's still, like, I'm going to buy into it and be like, that's creepy. And well, then, this is real creepy. Yeah. So this was the first one. It took place in Seaford, which is a suburb of Long Island, New York. It's about 30 miles away from New York City. And it took place in 1958 um, in about a month span, which I'm going to make some connections to the movie because this is the case that really popularized the term poltergeist in the United States. So when they say it could last and then just go away, I felt like, that was kind of a direct reference to this case because this case was a little over a month. So it's the, it was the Herman house, um, Mm -hmm. James Herman, his wife, Lucille, and their two children, 12 year old Jimmy and 13 year old Lucy. Yes. They did name their children after themselves, both. Um, but James was not at home when it all first started on the 3rd of February. And what ended up happening, um, that his wife and his children told him when he came back on the 4th, was that all around the house, all of these different products that had caps had popped open and their contents had been spilled. That's so so some, of the, some of the, I know, some of the things were um, bleep in the utility room, starch in the kitchen, um, shampoo and medicine in the bathroom. So these are things with like secured caps mm-hmm. had blown and holy water in the master bedroom. They were very Catholic. Obviously, if they've got holy water holy in the bedroom, water bedroom. <laughs> only a Catholic would do that. Well, first of all, holy water is only a thing in the Catholic church, but still in the master bedroom. Yes. So Herman comes home and he really doesn't think much of it. He thinks it was the heat or um, some kind of pressure, some kind of house mm-hmm. moving. He's like, that's weird. And like, now we got to get new shit and clean it all up. But like, that's whatever. Mm-hmm. So they all just decided to write it off. Like everything that I read is, and um, I'll do sources at the end, but everything that I read, they seemed like a really nice family. Like mm-hmm. the parents do everything in this situation to try to keep things normal. They were respected. Like they were just chilling. But then mm-hmm. two days later, it happens again. And they come home from school. The kids do. 
and all over the house it has happened. And this includes also um, a thing of nail polish, um, which that was weird to me because unless I don't really know how they kept nail polish in the 50s, I was thinking about how they're like twisty, Mm -hmm. but it's not even popping. It would have to twist. Um, And some rubbing alcohol, more bleach, detergent, starch, and again, holy water. I had questions about that that no one could answer. Like, did they go get new holy water? or was No, they just had a lot of it. Yes. Like, what? You open the closet and instead of, like, shoes, it's just (laughs) bottles of holy water. Or it's like you pull open the sock drawer and it's socks, but you lift up the compartment (laughs) and it's bottles of holy water. (laughs) So, again, they kind of write it off. Mm -hmm. And then it happens a third time. And that's when James Herman gets a little frustrated and he thinks the son is doing it. His Mm -hmm. son's very smart and he thinks the son's doing it. So he basically stalks his son for the weekend. And... Then it starts happening on a Sunday. And mm-hmm. so he bursts into the bathroom on his 12-year-old son who's oh. brushing his teeth. Oh, good. And <laughs> How old is the son? 12. Okay, yeah. Oh, good. And he starts yelling at the son. Mm-hmm. And the son is yelling like, I'm innocent. Like, I didn't do this. And Wealth is yelling at him that he did this. I want to get this right because, okay, so they are yelling at each other. He's got, he's brushing his teeth. He's got the foam all going. He's like, dad, dad, I didn't do it. I'm 12. And he's like, this is a bullshit. Like we have to buy new bleach. We have to go get, you know, more holy water out of the holy water drawer. <laughs> and while they're talking, a bottle of medicine slides across the sink and falls to the floor. And then a bottle of shampoo slides across the shelf and falls to the floor. Oh, no. And he like holds his son in the bathroom and like, tears it apart looking for wires he still Mm -hmm. is like a skeptic and he doesn't find any and that's kind of where the story takes a turn because Mm -hmm. he doesn't know what to do because he just witnessed this so he calls the police and the police wouldn't have come except they said he sounded so panicky and people in town knew this man Mm -hmm. and so he was a reliable source and he was freaked so Mm -hmm. the first guy comes out is officer james hughes now just a side note he does not stay long in this story but that is the third james (laughs) this is the third man named james in this story and after the whole frankenstein thing like i was like stop (laughs) it why does everyone were there only 10 names before 1960 yes that's exactly what i was about to say is new names weren't invented until the 60s so officer hughes is going around and he's like do 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 like let's just investigate this and then a bunch of bottles which they started calling this the hopper instant like that's what they referred to the poltergeist because it would pop the tops off well Tops pop off of a bunch of stuff and the tops shoot straight at the officer. Oh, no. And so he's like, I'm going to go get a detective. And that is when we are introduced. Slightly above my pay grade. It's like, peace. By the way, (laughs) any spare holy water I can take with me. I'm just assuming everyone's Catholic here. Like, I just feel like there was a lot more, like, just staying with, like, Mm -hmm. in in areas back in the 50s. Yeah. Um, So Detective Joseph um, Tuzzi. Um, he comes and he investigates and he's there for a while. Like he hangs out at the house and investigates and is trying to figure it out. Um, spoiler alert. They clear every member of the family. Okay. They investigate every member of the family and they determine that it is not the family, that they're not doing it. So we can mm-hmm. get that off. Like they were investigated and they were then investigated by again, kind of spoilers, the paranormal experts that come mm-hmm. that like no one really knows like, 
but they know they didn't. So right. he investigates and he decides to like stick around. And while he's there, bookcase is overturned. Boo. And they were just, the poltergeist was not thrilled. Well, so he's there on February 15th. And so was a cousin visiting. Mm-hmm. And there's this porcelain figure on the coffee table and it just lifts up, moves, and then falls to the to the carpet. Boo. And was like, I mean, that was some heavy criticism, some heavy porcelain criticism. They don't tell you what the statue looks like, but I feel like um, that was an aesthetic thing. Uh, the thing is, it's a Catholic family, so I feel like it's pretty safe to assume it's a saint of some kind. I'm- you know, later on in the story, we're gonna they're gonna talk about a Virgin Mary statue, but mm-hmm. I just wonder since they didn't say what it was, if it was just like one of those like chubby angels or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but they called a priest at that point. I mean, I'm that's the shocked. first person I would have called. I'm not Catholic, and I would have immediately been like, "Priest, please come to my house and bring somebody. all your holy water." <laughs> well, and they're gonna be like, "James, you bought all my holy water." <laughs> I don't actually know if you buy holy water, but like, I don't every- know. But like the thing is, is that for a man who has multiple bodies of holy water, uh, bottles of holy water, he's very skeptical. It seems like mm-hmm. a very sane man that like his first thing was like, no, I'm going to call the cops because maybe someone's doing something. So the priest comes and blesses the house. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't help, though. And so that's when the TV cameras come and it's like all over because no one's seen anything like Do this. Do you think that maybe the priest blessing the house doesn't help because the poltergeist isn't Catholic? I mean... I've always wondered that because if I was a poltergeist and a priest came, I would be like, can I have some free holy water? Like, are you just giving that stuff away? Like, I always wondered about that. It's like, I've always wondered, like, there is a, a movie, which we might do, which involves a Jewish exorcism. Nice. Because like, I've always been like, okay, what if the family is Catholic, but the poltergeist is Lutheran? Mm-hmm. Like, who do you go to the family? I just have a lot of exorcism questions. You have questions. to call in actual Martin Luther to deal with that one. <laughs> What if it's Martin Luther? Oh my God, what if it's the ghost of Martin Luther? And he just starts nailing up theses on your walls and doors. I think I'd let him stay, honestly. Rachel's like, this is my roommate, the ghost of Martin Luther. (laughs) That is an icebreaker if I've ever heard one. So this is also the part that makes me not skeptical of them. Like whatever this is, I do not think it was the it was this family mm-hmm. because they basically let any nutcase make suggestions to them, mm-hmm. like anyone about how to fix it. So, like some for an example, somebody comes in and is like, "There might be a water stream under your house," mm-hmm. and it's like, "Do things with magnets." So, Tuesday brings in geologists mm-hmm. to determine that that's not true. Other things that people come out and test, and this is not random people. This is like the city. Mm-hmm. They rule out radio waves. They rule out airplanes. They rule out magnets. Um, someone suggests Martians. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. They rule out a water line. They rule out Russians. Well, I guess they rule out Russians as much as they can. Um, that <laughs> Nobody just, can ever really rule out Russians. That like Maybe that's what, but it's also like, why he doesn't have anything to do with why that seems like such a weird just to be dicks like they rule out vibration they check that the house isn't is secure it is secure the house is like less than 10 years old Mm -hmm. it's structurally sound um so they do all of this which is what makes me start to get a little nervous right because like 
they're bringing out power people. They're bringing out all these city people because it's huge news. Mm-hmm. And the Hermans are just like, yeah, anyone who wants to, like, please tell us what this actually is. Right. And then everyone's like, we don't know. And so they just keep ruling stuff out. Um, and someone calls and it's like, oh, I had a bunch of furniture moving on its own. And it turns out I didn't wrap from my fireplace. So they get their fireplace sealed. Mm-hmm. The second they do it, Uh-oh. they seal the fireplace. Um, a porcelain figure um, rises up and slams against the wall. Rude. It made me think of Poltergeist of the fact that, like, he kept doing things that were kind of funny and being like, oh, you think that's going to stop? You think I'm the wind? I'm not the wind. Like, <laughs> you wish I was the wind. Or maybe the Poltergeist just really liked a nice, cozy fire. Yeah, he was like, look what you've done. Now you've hurt us both. Like, <laughs> And it hit the wall so hard it, like, dented it. Oh, wow. So that's something they used to show on the news was, that, like, it hit the wall so hard it dented it. And then after that, it became more violent, which makes me think it had a real personal connection to this fireplace. Yeah. Um, but it started slamming things against the wall. Um and that's when they left for the night um, because it um, it took like a bowl of it was something silly that it was that was in the bowl that I was like, OK, but it slammed it into the wall and it like came close to hitting Jimmy. And that's when they were like, we're going to leave for a night. They only left for a night. And when they came back, a bookcase fell. So it was not they were not thrilled. Yeah. The poltergeist and then like a record player went flying. Like I'm just listing all these crazy things. A globe almost hit to- Tuzi in the head. Oh no! So this investigator's just chilling there. And like he just keeps getting things thrown at him. A large glass centerpiece, which I also wish I knew what that looked like, um, dented the crown molding. No, not the crown molding anything but that um and here's something i thought was hilarious that this article made a note of no one ever tried to communicate with a ghost oh come on no are you telling me that if they could have just called in a friggin' marriage counselor that maybe this could have all been solved i'm just like imagining i'm poltergeist and i'm like are you really just gonna like ignore me you're you're checking the water lines checking the fireplace like (laughs) Are you serious right now? Like, talk to me. Talk to me. Like, I just, that was such a weird thing to know that like, no one ever tried talking to it. Mm. I'm like, is that known professionally? Or are you telling me that this family was just like eating their cereal while globes went flying on their heads <laughs> and just was like, oh, what are you studying today, Jimmy Jr.? Like, are we just not going to talk about it? Okay, so that's when uh, Dr. Grimes comes and they are a, um, it didn't say, but I think Dr. Rhines is a man. Um, I mean, it's 1958. It's That's a safe assumption. But they bring in people, and Dr. Rhines' people have differing opinions. One thinks, and James um, Herman thought this was dumb, and I agree with him, that it is a poltergeist created by the hormones of his two almost teenage children that's the most catholic fucking thing i've ever heard in my life was he also catholic like i have no idea but like then it was they basically they all believed someone in the house was causing it not faking it but mm-hmm. causing it and they even thought one of the things was that kids were telekinetic but didn't know it so the oh. more they got obsessed they were doing it Gotcha. Um, so all of these theories are hilarious to me, if for no other reason than like 
the children's sexual energy creating this is more than just you have a poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Like, that it's an energy. Like, I don't know. Like, I think that's so weird. So on March 2nd, a dish threw off the cabinet and a night table was overflipped. And another bookcase was upended. A flower, a vase, you know, flew. And the last event was on March um, 10th. Uh, 2Z was hanging out. They were all hanging out. Mm-hmm. And they heard the popping again. And it was from the basement. And it was a bunch of bleach. And then that was it. That's so and weird. people stuck around. But it just it just stopped. And um, at 1985... No one can say what causes it. No one. They've investigated. And hold on, because Dr. Rains did not come, like, off of the back of a turnip truck. Whatever <laughs> school it was that he came from, I remember writing that down because I was like, wow. He was the head director of paranormal studying at some of the paranormal lab at, hold on, because I know I was just like, the hell. Do you want me to start listing universities? Duke. It was Duke. Duke. I want that my instinct was Duke. Mm-hmm. So like they all still study this case. And by mm-hmm. at least as far as 85, they still couldn't tell. But by that point, again, the article noted the Hermans no longer cared. Right. Like they were just like, whatever it happened. We're fine. <laughs> um, but I thought that's really interesting. I think this case is really interesting because there are other cases like the cases the conjurings are based off mm-hmm. of where there's a lot of evidence that it may have been a hoax. Right. Whereas like, there are so many people in this that have came to investigate and they're like, well, it's not this, this, this. But we're not saying it's ghosts. Like, we're not <laughs> saying that. We're just saying we have no way of knowing what it was. And I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. like, I mean, that's fine. Like, it, but it's really hard to. But like the fact that you've eliminated, you know, not to go all like, Sherlock Holmes on you. But like this. I thought it was really interesting. I thought it was interesting because it didn't kill anyone and it didn't really do anything except like mess with these people's lives. Uh, some final notes. Also, there's a documentary which I could not find. I could only find an article about it mm-hmm. called Real Fear, the Truth um, Behind the Movies. And they interview little Lucy as an adult. Yeah. And they said that they interview two people and the article talks about. They also interview one of the kids that um, – the like I think Amneville Horror mm-hmm. was his house. And he is like they said really emotional about it. Like really like he was like seven or something and he's really like emotional about what happened. Right. And that she's very matter of fact. She's like, my kids he's like, I never saw Poltergeist. I lived it. I just felt like that wasn't necessary. Like she's like, I I did not see that movie. My kids haven't seen that movie. Like that she's just very calm about it. Like mm-hmm. that just happened. Um and she says that her parents did everything to like, keep things normal, mm-hmm. even though this was happening in the house. Um, so that is this haunting, the Herman House haunting, that popularized the phrase poltergeist. And uh, a lot of people say inspired poltergeist for right. obvious reasons. And I saw definitely some parallels just in the sense of the family trying to keep things normal mm-hmm. and um, kind of the everyday object movement kind of stuff but i got most of my information from an article in the long island pulse um another one from the huffington post and a website called history um and haunting in america and we'll have the links to those um on our on instagram um yeah i really i really enjoyed it but here's my question why are we so quick to discount that it's the hormones of the 12 year old boy what Have you met a 12-year-old boy? What about the 13-year-old girl? Oh, okay, and the 13-year-old girl. 
Sorry, you know I like to blame men for everything. I know. I mean, but like, I also, the only thing if we are going for, because first of all, I do think it sounds a little bit carry to me in the sense mm-hmm. of like, you're blaming these children like right. for being like having normal human feelings and for developing and like being mm-hmm. a teenager is hard enough before being like you're causing your family's haunting. <laughs> I actually, if I had to pick one that wasn't just a poltergeist, it would be that the kids were secretly telekinetic. Yeah, that one's pretty good. <laughs> Because like that, that would be so because it also what if it stopped because they figured it out and figured out how to control it. And then it's not like they're going to tell the world telekinetic. Right. And so Lucy's just like, yeah, no, we're over it. Don't worry about it. Like as an adult. And it's that she's telekinetic. Yeah. Like when I make this a movie, that's that's how it would be. Is that yeah. in the end, it turns out it's not a haunting. It's that the kids were telekinetic and like the parents are protecting them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that story. And I just loved how. There was so much detail about things that went wrong. Mm-hmm. And then also how many things they checked. And the fact that the family was just like, yeah, get on in here. You think it's magnets? Let's do this. Magnet it up. <laughs> like, and that people kept walking away being like, well, it's not that. And I also love that this detective seemed to have kind of moved in with them. Like yeah. he was there all the time, but at least enough to, they did such a deep investigation to say that it wasn't any of them. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was really interesting um you know what's funny when I was a kid I had this uh series of books I believe it's called scary stories to tell in the dark and this story was in one of them I still have one of them I have like the third one I don't know what happened to the other two they just disappeared over the years and I remember reading about that one because I've read those books a lot um I feel like I did not get any of the theories as to what caused it but it was like the longest story in all of the books, too. It was like a good 30 pages. Now I just keep thinking about if you're being haunted, if it's your religion or the religion of the ghost. <laughs> now I just keep thinking about it. Like, now I just keep thinking about it. Like, if I'm being haunted by Catholic ghosts, do I need a priest? But then if I'm haunting, like, let's say you, mm-hmm. do you need a rabbi? Oh, like, I sure hope I mean, not, because there are not a lot of those in my area. <laughs> <laughs> I also did plan on haunting you. Oh well, I mean, I mean maybe in like a Caspery way, mm-hmm. um, which is by the way a movie that I did not see until I was an adult and was like, wow, this is a super bummer. Yeah. I um, mean, it doesn't seem like a super bummer when you're a kid. No, it doesn't. But when you're an adult, you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. All right. So. Another another episode. We hope you guys are enjoying this. I don't know if we mentioned this in the other videos or um, podcasts, but if there's something you do want us to do, if there's something that you'd like um, as far as an episode, uh, you can on Instagram or on our Twitter, which Rachel. True Horrors Pod. For all, both of them. Both of them, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Awesome. Man, we are so good at this. As I'm saying it, I have no idea. And so I threw <laughs> it to Rachel. She should know. But you would neither think. of us know. No. Um, you would think that. You um, would think that. But next week we're gonna it's Rachel's pick and we'll be doing the nineteen ninety nine remake of House on Haunted Hill. Ooh. Yeah. I, prepare, I never seen. prepare to be bummed out. I I kept thinking that when I was watching it because I've never seen it before. And Mm -hmm. when we were like getting to what was haunted about it, I was like, oh, well, I guess we've crossed to this territory now. No more fun Jaws stories. Nope. 
I'm Rachel, and I'm here to bring you all down. It's my hobby. All right. Well, we will see you guys next week for True Horrors. I'm Meg. And I'm Rachel. Thank you for listening. Bye. 